Hello and welcome to Talk to Me. My name is Heather. And I'm Kathleen. And this week we're going to be lazy and cover another round of Forensic Files episode. My favorite! It's the end of summer. I know I'm exhausted from dealing with my kids all day. God, do they are. go back to school yet? <laughs> so I didn't want to do much this week. Uh, info for our socials and PayPal information if you'd like to donate are in the show notes. So let's get into round three of Forensic Files. Do-do-do. Would you like to go first or close out? Um, I will close out. Every time. Okay, do you want me to go first? No, no, it's fine. It's fine. So I love covering these because for the most part, you can find them on YouTube. No problem. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> just everywhere. <laughs> Which is great because I found some episodes on Hulu, but it was like scattered episodes of random seasons. Yeah, I saw some... Um just, like mostly like the later seasons like, yeah i don't want the end of forensic like, files it, it skipped around one season had four episodes on it i was like that's so bizarre don't understand the decision for that so i am covering season eight episode 30 flower power i almost picked another one where the victim had been shot twice and i was like no that's basically like what i did last time I actually compiled a list of all the ones that I was considering and tried to ask my kid which one I should do. And they were just like, I don't even know what any of these are. When does school start? Yeah. <laughs> Mom's getting weird. Yeah. Mom, <laughs> please don't talk about axe murderers. Um, yeah, I compiled a whole list and then I decided on this one and it turned out to be fate because I saw, you know, I had a premonition. <laughs> I didn't actually, but... <laughs> So Pamela Sweeney was a 35-year-old woman who was divorced, single mother to a five-year-old son. She lived in Andover, Minnesota, and worked as a secretary at Unisys Corps in Roseville. She was engaged to construction worker Larry Fleck, who looks like the bass player of a jam band. (laughs) It was a perfect description. And they seemed really happy. The night of May 30th, 1991... Pamela wasn't feeling really well, so she asked her parents to take care of her son overnight. It was like a Thursday night, and so she was going to come get him the next morning, take him to school and all that. Hmm. She calls Larry and asks if he can come over once he's off of work. He warns her it'll be really late, and she is very insistent to have him come over. Well, she's not doing good. It's really odd. Larry shows up to Pam's house at about 3 a.m., and when he enters her bedroom, he knows right away there's an issue. He sees her rolled up in a blanket, laying the wrong way across the bed, and sees blood on the headboard. Oh, that's definitely not a good sign. And I feel like that's all I would need to see before I'm like, all right, bye. Just, like, walk out. Yeah, I don't need to look further. No. He instead decides to like unroll unravel. the blanket yes. <laughs> just like unwrap her like a burrito like weird but whatever you never know how yeah maybe she just react. like bumped her head he goes to a neighbor's house to call 911 and the operator is like they play the tape the operator's like are you sure she's dead and his response is she's cut to hell <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah i shouldn't laugh at that but this is when things get very bizarre Once I read this part is when I was like, yes, this is the episode I'm picking. Less than two minutes later, as police are already making their way to the crime scene, 911 receives another call about the body. 
So two people within two minutes calling about this body. This time for one of Pam's co-workers. Keep in mind, it's three in the morning. <laughs> Did he go to the neighbor's house and someone else came to the house and found yes. the body while he yes. was like at the neighbor's calling? Yes. Oh my God. One of her co-workers, Patrick Walsh, he, it, his tape is weird. He just sounds out of breath. And has this, like, nasally high-pitched voice that just really weirds me out. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) But, yeah, just really bizarre that these two men have called to report the body of this woman. So, Larry says once he saw the body, he fled from the house because he was worried the killer might still be in the house. So, he just ran to the neighbor. Uh, Patrick says he drove by Pam's house on his way home from a bar. He noticed her lights were still on, and he was worried about her because she had called out sick that day from work. Okay, he is, like, super sus, okay? Like, these are all things that you don't normally do. Like, You're supposed to leave your, like, porch lights and stuff on. If my coworker showed up at my house at 3 in the morning... Why does my coworker know where I live? Like, (laughs) really, really fucking weird. Yeah. Super... Super fucking weird. Don't like this. Already seeing some guilt. (laughs) The autopsy showed that she died as a result of four stab wounds to the chest area, four gunshot wounds to the head, and her head overkill. Her head also showed signs of being hit with a blunt instrument. There were no signs of sexual assault. However, she was also determined to be on her period, and like her clothes were like pulled off of her. Oh my god. So, who knows? That could be the cause of the overkill if, like, the killer, like, wanted to rape her. And, and then was, was like, like, you stupid I'm a little bitch. bitch. I can't deal with a little blood. Yeah. Who cares about some... Well, okay, in this case, like, you know, good for not raping you know, her, but yeah. pieces of shit out there. Um, also, there's supplemental information I got from Minnesota Supreme Court decision that I will try to remember to link in the show notes. There's only so much they could cover in a 22-minute TV show. Oh, I know. (laughs) So Pam's parents right away point the finger at her ex-husband, which rightfully so when you find out he had like over 30 weapons in his house and had some control issues. So he had like knives and guns and... I will never understand that A blunt instrument. Yeah. Like one gun, fine. I'm not comfortable around it, but I can see why somebody would want that. But why do you need like over 30 the ex-husband is eventually ruled out because he was hanging out with friends during this time. Again, it's the middle of the week at like three in the morning when they find the body. Do none of you people work? Well, I mean, uh, Larry, he had just gotten off work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> so in this, they say there was no sign of forced entry, but something they don't mention and both suspects do is that there was damage to the garage door at the, at the home. Hmm. Uh, no weapon is found in the house, but when there's more sunlight, the police notice a path through the backyard to a wooded area, like when there's dew on the grass. Oh, and yeah. you can see, like, when the neighbor's cat just hauled ass across the yard. So, in that wooded area, they find a knife stabbed into the ground. Okay, that's violent. <laughs> I don't think that was necessary. And she had a shed in her yard next to the woods, and there was, like, wood out there. Yeah. Under the wood is a pistol. You leave the gun at the crime scene? Oh my goodness. 
the knife was actually like from her kitchen and the pistol was the same caliber used at the scene and neither one had any fingerprints in patrick's truck they find a candy wrapper that doesn't seem significant except that it matches the same candy found in pam's kitchen in a drawer okay like really (laughs) same lot number on the wrapper and everything they blur it, but it's clearly Laffy Taffy. Oh, shit. That is, <laughs> stuff is good. I would steal a Laffy Taffy from a crime scene. Yellow's banana, right? Yeah. That was what he had, yes. Yeah, I would totally steal <laughs> a yellow Laffy Taffy from a crime scene. I was like, yeah, that's Laffy Taffy. I don't know why you bother to blur it. Patrick's story had been that he walked into the house, found the body, called police, and ran out of the house, drove off in such a hurry that he drove his truck into a ditch... And yet he was calm enough to, like, search the drawers in the kitchen, find and a piece steal of candy. candy. <laughs> Again, he was hungry. <laughs> we don't know how we're going to react when we see a body. We just don't know. I mean, I can tell you right now, I'm <laughs> taking the candy. Both suspects, obviously, are brought in for more questioning at the very least. And they both have blood on their clothes. Patrick's clothes, though little more suspicious. He's got a leaf stuck to his shirt and vegetation in his shoes, which it's grass. <laughs> I, I mean, saying, I thought that maybe he had like some tomato seeds. <laughs> and Larry is ruled out because he had been at work and no one has mentioned any problems between the two of them. As soon as people and where hear... where do you find the time? As soon as people hear Patrick's name, however, different story. They had been co-workers for 8 to 10 years, and for a while before the murder, they had carpooled together until Pam stopped because she felt uncomfortable with Patrick. After that time, she began to receive harassing phone calls, who she believed were from him. This part creeps me out. There were a few times that Pam discovered him either snowblowing or mowing her yard. Oh my god. Just uninvited. Yeah, you don't ever want a guy doing something for you because then they feel like they're owed something yeah. in return. Uh, yeah, what a fucking creep. So she's told her mom, her friends, other co-workers, even her pastor, that she was creeped out by this guy. But of course, she's too scared to report him to the supervisors at work because she thought they would think she was crazy. And the police did absolutely nothing when she asked for help. Which, it's sad. It's like 30 years later and it's still like, yeah, all this tracks. Yep. But my thing was an officer couldn't just take five minutes to stop by the guy's house and be like, just hey, cut it out. Alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just, just don't talk to her. Not that big of a deal. Also, a week before she was murdered, her keys somehow vanished at work. Hmm. And then they were found by police in Patrick's truck. No. And he was married. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's like each fact is just, like, worse and worse. So, Patrick said the grass in his shoes must have come from when he ran across Pam's front yard after finding the body. However, they sent that shit to the University of Minnesota, and they even say in this Minnesota. Minnesota. (laughs) The cop says we sent it to the University of Minnesota. Where the science bitches said, no, bro, this type of grass and seeds couldn't have come from the front yard. <sighs> this Only wooded from area the woods. Yes, definitely could have been from where 
it was so still not absolutely conclusive of course although i don't know how so they go and look at the blood found on his clothes he said he got the blood from like shaking her body to see if she was still alive and blood science is wonky we know this yeah but there's a difference between splotches of blood from a body leaning against you and straight up blood splatter splatter. Yes. yes And it was blood splatter. Mm. So he had to be in the room when she was either like shot or stabbed. Um, so she had been shot downstairs, like actually right next to the stairs, and then dragged upstairs to her bedroom where she's placed on the bed and then stabbed. The theory is once he crashed his truck in the ditch, he had no choice but to call the cops because his truck is stuck there and he's covered in blood. And he looks pretty fucking guilty. And so he's just like, oh, I know, cover story. (laughs) So they're able to tie the gun to him. And a week before the murder, which I guess would also be around the same time her keys disappeared. If we're following that timeline. Patrick asked his ex-girlfriend to return his gun to him because he was planning on using it for an upcoming elk hunting trip. One. Who hunts elk with a pistol? Yeah, that was number two. One. (laughs) The hunting trip was not planned for another eight months. <laughs> He's getting and ahead of himself. two, would you use a pistol to take down an elk? Also, why does his ex-girlfriend have his pistol? Like, you just loan out handguns? Like, elk are big, right? Like, am I yeah, crazy? I don't... I, I can't see you hunting anything with a pistol. Like, what is happening here? So, I mean, I don't know anything about hunting, we're though. We're not experts, yeah. so I yeah. can tell you that. I've never killed a thing in my life, so... <laughs> except for maybe, like, a skunk one I time that I ran over. I watched Prey last night, and I was like, yeah, this seems to track. I don't know. <laughs> so, Patrick's house, they find ammo that matches to the ones used at the crime scene, and he has a history of violence against women. Oh. And is suspected in two other murders. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> they only mention one in this. But I looked into it, and yeah, there's another woman, too. Did he stalk those women as well, or? I couldn't really find any information. I bet he did. Fuck her. There are connections, though. It's not strangers. Um, so let's just cover the first one. March 1984, Cindy Gerdes was a 28-year-old interior designer living in Minneapolis when she was stabbed and her body left posed. Ah. Patrick was married to a former roommate of Cindy. The other case that one I had to like actually look into uh, was Cindy Mae Brown, who is actually still missing. But when you learn the facts of her disappearance, like she's definitely dead, you have to assume she's dead. So this Cindy was last seen in Roseville, Minnesota on March 10th, 1980. She told her supervisor at Kmart that she was leaving town and was never heard from again. Want to know something weird? Her roommate was fucking Patrick Thomas Walsh, who told police she left for California in a brown van with a woman and two men and left her own car behind, and she wasn't reported missing for four and a half months. Wow. I was like, he was her roommate? Definitely murdered her. (laughs) So yeah, he's been carpooling with her to and from work, shoveling her driveway, mowing her yard, And she still keeps turning him down. So he stole her keys, got his gun back from his ex-girlfriend, and decided to get revenge. 
she had been dressed for bed, so they assume he broke in when she was sleeping, and she heard him and came downstairs. He shot twice into the floor to scare her, and when that didn't work, he shot her four times. He carried her upstairs to her bed, they assume attempted to rape her, and then proceeded to stab her four times. Yeah, because he was mad. Some point he must have hit her in the head, it's not really too sure about that. He covered her up in the blanket and went downstairs to just hang out. Took the time to find that candy, drank a soda, rummaged through her purse at some point because they found that scattered on the living room floor. He took off in his truck, crashed it, and as he was trying to get it unstuck is when Larry showed up, found the body. So they think he might have actually been like in the basement (gasps) looking for something to get the truck unstuck. Like, oh, it gave me goosebumps thinking about it. (laughs) When Larry was in the house and found the body. So now Patrick has to hide the weapons and call 911, try to get the heat off of him. He didn't do a very good job, obviously, (laughs) when you have the woman's keys. Yeah, there was also a weird thing I read that the garage door was damaged from him driving her cars to try to get his truck unstuck. Oh, God, like, he took his her cars out there to try and, like... She had two cars, which, by the way, was weird, but... I mean, totally baller. <laughs> I was just confused by that statement, but I kept seeing that is that he was using her cars to try to get his truck unstuck. Oh, my goodness. And that was in the Supreme Court document, so... Seven months after Pam's death, Patrick goes to trial. His defense was that he had loaned Pam his gun... And when he discovered her body, he found the gun next to her on the bed and had to hide it because he was worried he would be blamed for her death. Oh, my God. Which makes no fucking sense because she was scared of him. Why would she ask him for a gun to protect herself from him? Him. (laughs) After deliberating for less than four hours, the jury finds him guilty of premeditated murder, murder in the course of a sexual assault, and murder connected with a burglary, and he is sentenced to life in prison. I saw somewhere he would have been given parole, or up for parole, in 30 years, which would be, like, now. But I haven't been able to find anything else. Um, it's hard to find a lot of updates on this guy, because Patrick Walsh is a very common name gonna pull a little crime in sports because there was another Patrick Walsh that kept coming up in Minnesota that I really hope is not connected to this murderer because is he like he's a school superintendent oh <laughs> so it I, can't be right I hope that guy didn't kill two possibly three women but yeah it's scary that he might have already killed two women before Pam and what if Pam's son had been home that night I mean, there's, like, zero doubt that he would have killed him as well. Because he had this planned out. Because he took those keys ahead of time. Got that gun ahead of time. He definitely murdered those other women. <laughs> like, zero doubt. I mean, yeah, it was just... He didn't want to be charged with a crime because she borrowed his gun. <laughs> that part, I was like, to you got to be kidding me. against him. <laughs> makes total yeah. sense very sad case he was just doing that so that he would stay away from her he's like yeah i'm gonna give you my gun it'll keep me away <laughs> scare so me off weird. can you imagine like waking up and your co-worker is like mowing your yard 
without you even asking. <laughs> I don't even have any coworkers that I'm like freaked out by, but like that would freak me out. <laughs> I would be concerned. First of all, because like none of my coworkers have been to my house. <laughs> Invited, that is. This so is so like, weird. I'd be freaked out that they even knew where I lived, but also what the hell, man. Oh, and it was also weird because Larry even said he had no idea that this had been going on. Which is kind of interesting that she wouldn't tell him, but she told, you know, But she also others. didn't want to tell anybody at work. Yeah, so like maybe she thought that he would blame her for it or something. I don't know. Or like she just thought, I can handle maybe this. Maybe you let him on. I don't know. It's really weird. What do you got? I am covering... Episode one of season one, going all the way to the beginning, the disappearance. The murder of JFK. <laughs> yes, no. Is, do you think that's the first murder? I don't know. I feel like my kids asked In me history that. ever, yes. That yes. was the first murder. That was the first ever murder. No, I think it wasn't it like one caveman that killed another caveman? <laughs> yeah. Um, no. no murder until 1963. Really weird. There was a huge dry spell. Um, no, so I am covering the very first episode, I think back when it was like medical detectives or whatever it was, um, the disappearance of, okay, so 50-50, like most of the people called her Hella Crafts, other people called her Helly Crafts, so I'm just going to go with Hella just because like the majority. Hella, cool. I always just thought it was Hell. Well, I, I always thought it was Helly and then it. It was, you know, 50-50 on, like, what people said. And I'm just like, well, fuck. And then if you go to Wikipedia where they have the little pronunciation thing Mm -hmm. for the sound, they say hella. So I just, I don't, if I'm saying it wrong, I'm sorry. I tried. I I couldn't find any actual news video where they say her name. So, but then again, I didn't try extensively hard or anything. (laughs) So, like I said, I, you know had a whole list of cases and I knew that this was the winner when I saw the wood chipper so <laughs> did you get your tire pressure checked out I did I was very concerned I fixed that yesterday <laughs> just for you she sent me a picture of a wood chipper while she was driving and I just see a uh, little signal on that your has, car that said please check the tire pressure my tire pressure has been low on that front right tire for weeks and I'm like that's weird I understand in the winter but it's like 150,000 degrees outside <laughs> put air in it it's good okay (laughs) it'll be low again in two days because there's definitely a hole in my tire but back to helicrafts did you also get the battery changed in your key fob (laughs) i ordered a new one that was pretty ridiculous last week (laughs) when you like had to come out and i couldn't figure out how to get in my car because the battery was so low and I'm in the process of Googling how to start the car because my old car had where you like push the key in and it'll start. But this one didn't. Apparently you have to wave the key fob in front of the Yeah, I know ours start we had it. Button. We had to just like push it into it and it would. Yeah, I'm just, okay, I'm a mess. I, I like don't it handle. It has to like actually be connected to the button. I, I don't handle things with my car. So, <laughs> you know, I basically just drive it until it explodes. Sorry, distracted. Okay. So, the disappearance of Helicrafts. She, her and her husband had been married for 12 years. Her husband, Richard, they have three children. They live in. His name is Dick Craft. His name is Dick Crafts. 
Yes. <laughs> so they lived in Newtown, Connecticut, and they both worked for airlines. She was a flight attendant for Pan Am, and he was an airline pilot for Eastern I've seen that airlines. documentary. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so she became suspicious that he was maybe having extramarital affairs. Um, oh, a pilot? Yeah. Okay, so we can all just agree. <laughs> okay, so there is, <laughs> I have a pilot in my married into family, and <laughs> he definitely had, you know, multiple, like, marriages over time and stuff, so, and and I have, you know, I've had friends who have dated pilots, and yeah, Basically, pilots get around, okay? I don't know of a single pilot that is committed and not cheating ever. a pilot and athlete. You're in a different place every other day. Yeah. They fuck. (laughs) (laughs) They be fucking. And they be fucking the flight attendants, too. Oh, yeah. So she's basically she's concerned that he's cheating, which um, they didn't really discuss in this episode of forensic files but they're you know she he had cheated while they were dating and she she basically know he was a scoundrel and so she gets suspicious she hires a private detective to kind of investigate and he shows her the photographic evidence of her husband kissing a woman you know in a parking lot baby 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 it was my sister we're very friendly you just don't know her (laughs) she's she means nothing um so she's obviously devastated she breaks down and cries like you know they've got three kids together and they've been married 12 years then she files for divorce and disappears so she had hired attorney Diane Anderson to file for the divorce, and she had kind of discussed the fact that he was having affairs, but she didn't want to actually make the affairs be the reason for divorce because um, she was concerned about the children, and she had said that in the past Richard had been violent, and so she was she was kind of afraid of him. So um, Hella had actually told fellow flight attendants and friends that if anything ever happened to her, don't think that it was an accident, which pretty sus. November 18th, 1986, Hella returns from a flight from Germany. She was coming back and is dropped off at home by a friend. At this time, her and Richard, like, it didn't, it wasn't clear in the forensic files, but they were currently living together. The divorce hadn't actually been filed officially or something. Um, So they were still living together. So Hella misses her next flight that she's supposed to be an attendant on. And, you know, coworkers check in on her. Richard's saying that she had gone to Denmark to visit her sick mother. And then he's telling other people that she's already on another flight for the airlines. So he's not keeping story straight. Not keeping story straight. So her mother obviously says, well... Is mom even sick? I'm not sick. (laughs) Okay, And she's not here in Denmark. And then her flight attendant friends are, well, it doesn't make sense for her to be on another flight because it hasn't been enough time for her for the rest period kind of thing before she can fly. And yeah, he's like telling all these different stories to all these different people. And then at some point, he's just basically like... I don't know where she is. Oh, he said that she was in Florida at one point. He just kind of had, couldn't keep his shit together. So friends kind of became concerned because obviously she's not going to just leave her three kids 
and just take off and, you know, follow a band across the country (laughs) or something. So her private investigator actually launches his own investigation because the Newtown police don't really seem interested. They're just kind of taking him at his word. Um, Which is insane that they're going to do this, like, no money on the table. Right. He basically (laughs) is just, this lady had me investigate stuff for, she filed for a divorce, and she's missing, so something's going on. I'm going to look into this. So he interviews the family's nanny, which she seems to be a live-in nanny, um, which makes sense because... Oh, he's pear. a yeah because he's a pilot and she's a flight attendant and it would make sense that when you have three children and you're both flying around the world that you would have somebody living at your house to take care of your children so the night that she actually comes home from her flight the nanny is not there at the time she's out but she says that when she returned the next day or later that night it's unclear in the stories that there was a suspicious brown or black stain in the carpet in the master bedroom. Oh, Dick shit himself. It's fine. He said he spilled kerosene. <laughs> Which, like you do. Like I you do. It. So he says he spills kerosene. And she's just like, okay. And then, you know, um, later that day, he cuts out the piece of carpet where the stain is apparently and she's like okay that's totally normal obviously the private investigator's like okay this is like really suspicious (laughs) his wife is missing there's a weird stain on the carpet something's going on so the police decide to go ahead and start investigating once he also it was wasn't really clear if the private investigator discovered all the receipts and and rentals and stuff or if the police actually did their job and started oh and conveniently richard is also a part-time policeman for the well now it makes sense why the cops are like yeah for the he wasn't actually for the newtown he was an auxiliary police for newtown and then he was part-time in newbury i think it was um, which is wild to me because how are you a pilot full time and then also a part time police officer? Who has the time? <laughs> God, Annie has three children. He is not taking care of those three children. No, he's not. But <laughs> fuck, man. Well, he's cheating. How is do you have he, time for affairs? Is he banging and the nanny? I don't think he is because she had a lot of dirt on him, but. Like she testified against Fair. him, so I mean, I I mean, we're it's pretty clear that but Richard killed like, Hallie. But if he's having an affair, it would make sense for also to be hooking up with the nanny. I mean, for convenience, it would definitely make sense. But I don't think he was just because she definitely did him no favors in the trial. <laughs> They've also discovered he is missing a very large freezer, and Rashid uh, Rashid. Receipts show, receipts show that he had rented a U-Haul truck, a large wood chipper, and he'd bought new bedding, as one does when your well, wife is missing. You know, if you see stuff on sale, it makes sense. The bedding that would make sense, but <laughs> okay, if you had the money, the funds to purchase or to rent a wood chipper, you wouldn't do it. 
No, I totally would because okay. I would want to like the th- put the wood in Let and watch it go, go out. It's fine. It so, reminds Malcolm in the Middle, remember? He got that steamroller <laughs> and just smashing shit. I would totally Did do I that. Just age us. <laughs> I would totally do that. Okay, oh, man. the man is innocent. Let him go. So police ask Richard to go ahead and take a polygraph test, which is amazing, yeah. but he passes, and he's, you know, no indication of lying. Tells us nothing. Right. So then my lover, Dr. Henry Lee, Ooh, world-renowned... Really? Uh, uh, there's some shady things. I... Uh, yeah, there's definitely been some things. But the man, you got to give him, like, props for some stuff. Like, I don't know, okay? I'm rethinking my whole life. I'm sorry. I was always his biggest fan, girl. I'm sorry. There's just some things. There are some things. There's definitely some things. So Dr. Henry Lee goes ahead and takes a look. He checks out the house, and he finds five tiny blood stains on the mattress. No, 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 no. You're wrong. Those were kerosene stains. That was the carpet. Right. But, I mean, if you get he, it on the carpet, you're flinging The splatter. The yeah. splatter. We've discussed it's the splatter. It's everywhere. I'm just picturing, like, it's always sunny, and it's just like he's rolling around in the kerosene. <laughs> Test show. It's obviously blood. What? Yes. <laughs> and not only is it blood... But it's human blood, and it's Hella's blood type. Oh, my God. I fell, fell for the lies. It is definitely her blood because it's her mattress. I mean, who else is going to be bleeding all over her fucking mattress? But anyway, <laughs> so um, they also apparently did a test to find that it was circulation blood and not menstrual blood, which I didn't know was a thing that you could do. Um, I I don't want to be gross, but if it's clotty or not. <laughs> well, I imagine there's no clots at that point. It's just a stain. That's all I can think of. Well. Can't tell you how many mattresses I've bled through. <laughs> I'm a free bleeder. I'm just kidding. I'm not. Oh <laughs> that would be horrifying. My stomach just dropped. No. My uterus just thinks it's a free bleeder. Um, n- no, so. so oh, God. <laughs> So when I worked at this beauty supply, I had a woman walk around my store shopping and the whole time she was walking around, she was dripping blood like from her dress, like all over my floor. Just horrified. They don't pay you enough to clean up menstrual blood (laughs) ever. (laughs) So back to Hella (laughs) and uh, Newtown, Connecticut. So they also find a six-inch smear on the side of the mattress that kind of indicates that someone was possibly kneeling or fell from a blunt object hitting them. So I'm assuming he's going to go with nosebleed? Yes, yes. It was a very forceful nosebleed. She sneezed. So towels in the bathroom also show that there were traces of blood on them that had been, like, washed away. But they don't have any body or anything, so what the hell? It's kind of hard to prove that someone's dead if you don't actually have their dead body. So, investigators look for any unusual events around her disappearance and come upon a snowplow dryer. He was actually dryer, driver. <laughs> a snowplow driver who, he actually, he just like worked for the city, but it had snowed really heavily that week. And so he was operating the snowplow 
in the middle of the night, obviously, to get the roads ready. He says that he remembers seeing a wood chipper on a bridge near, like, River Road, I think was the location, about 3.30 in the morning. Then an hour later, it was parked near Lake Zoar. Looking around the lake, they find a part of an envelope with Hella's name and address on it, lots of bleach blonde hairs, and about after you know after days of sifting, they find blue fibers, bone fragments believed to be human, and a painted little bit of fingernail. In the river, they find parts of a chainsaw with the serial number removed. So it's kind of looking like a little wild. Like first of all, who throws a chainsaw in the river? Yeah. Um, the very apathetic medical examiner is basically just like, well, we don't have a body. So we really can't say that she's dead, and there's nothing really for me to do, because I can't say she's dead. <laughs> like, Okay, so something I'd always wondered, was it like <clears throat> her actual fingernail, or was it a fake one? I don't expect you to know, that was just something I... Looking at the pictures, I'm going to go with that it was her real one. Oh, that's so... Yeah, I I saw some pictures in um, was it Morbidology on like that website? Like they had an article, and there were there were some pictures. That was always something I was curious about. It it seemed like it was her actual fingernail, but you know what? It, maybe it wasn't because I mean, can you get fi- DNA from fingernails? I hadn't really thought of that. Well, I'm sure you could. Then again, it's 1986, so yeah, can they even? I mean, I well, guess they I would, would only get blood if type. If it had been through a chip, wood chipper, there'd be blood anyway on it. I'm sorry. No, I just, now it's gonna. <laughs> I need to know. I'm gonna I mean, have she's to a like. Flight attendant. It would make sense if she had fake nails. Yeah, like or, acrylic nails yeah. or something. I mean, what was big in the '80s? Even like the press-ons. The press-ons. <laughs> <laughs> so the chainsaw yields human hair tissue and fibers that match the same fabric type and color that her favorite nightshirt happens to be um, in the, I guess, chains of the chainsaw. Using chemicals, they remove the top layers of the altered serial number to show that it matched the serial number on a warranty card that Richard had sent in to the manufacturer. Oh my god, what which an asshole. Which I couldn't find anything to see. Did he... I, I couldn't find anything to find out if he bought the chainsaw years ago and just happened to use one that he had at home that he had already sent the warranty card in years that's ago for. I, that's, yeah. I'm hoping that's the case and it wasn't he bought a chainsaw specifically for this, sent the <laughs> warranty card in, and then dismantled it and was like, oh, they'll never suspect me. Either way, what an asshole. Like, he sent the warranty card in. I don't even do that shit. Who... <laughs> Who does that and kill someone with it? So he oh, just sent, scrape the numbers off. It's fine. You can't use like never chemicals know. to. Yeah, they'll never know. Oh my God. So forensics examine all 2,660 hairs found at the scene and show that most were cut. And when compared to known hairs belonging to Hella Craft, based on, like, her hairbrush that they had used to collect some, they all had, like, the same kind of ridge pattern, which I guess was apparently unusual. A chemist compares the polish bottle at her house to the nail polish found on the fingernail crime found at the crime scene, and it matches as well. It's 
looking really pretty clear. Well, then I guess if it was nail polish she had at home, it was probably real nails then. That's what makes me think. And also just looking at the photographs, it seemed maybe because it was like a really tiny piece. It seemed it was maybe just like the tip of the nail, not the part that was attached to the finger, if you know what I mean, the nail bed. Yeah. Um, So anthropologists come in and they look at the bones and they decide they're going to go ahead and put a pig carcass through... I want to be there at work on that day. Yes, it is basically my dream job to <laughs> be able to investigate in this manner. So they put a pig carcass through the exact same type of wood chipper. I don't think it was the exact same one because I feel I like you would want to keep evidence clean. Yeah. Uh, it leaves the same signature cutting pattern as the bone fragments discovered. So another ah. They also found grooves in the fragments, indicating it was from blood vessels found in humans, and the fractures, I guess, beveled, indicating force, like they, the, there was a blow to the bones. And they went ahead and assumed, because they were parts of skull fragments, that she was dead. Yeah, I mean... And they also, I, um, I guess they ground the bones as well to discover it was the same blood type as Hela. Uh, Wait, the pig? <laughs> so they found a crown by the river as well from a tooth, but it didn't have any DNA. So the doctor actually went back to the river edge area and searched for five days, kind of just sifting and putting little bits and stuff into a pail. And he actually slipped and caught himself with his hands and then went and rinsed his hands off in the pail and found a tooth. Oh, God. So they compared it to dental x-rays and they matched. So it's, she's 100%. She's dead and she died violently. It was an accidental and she just like ended up in chips around the river for some reason. It's not like Fargo where he slips into the wood chipper. (laughs) Oh, God, yes. (laughs) Not that, we can assume. Not that. So Richard is arrested. I want to say she, so she went missing in November of 86. She's declared dead in January. And then he's arrested in May That's of 87. That seems like such a, for her to be declared dead and for him to be arrested seems. Yeah, it was, it was quite a gap. But I think that they maybe... We're still working on, okay, we have to prove that Richard actually did it. it, it, I guess it's always tough when you don't have a body, because I think of that one case where she was declared dead, and they thought that some guy had killed her, and then she was hiding in her boyfriend's closet or something. I I don't know. It's definitely happened. It's (laughs) It's not a common thing, but it's happened. So he's arrested. He's charged with murder. Investigators basically surmise that Hella was dropped off by her friend after her flight. She put the kids to bed around 8, changed into her favorite nightshirt. While changing the sheets, she got into a fight with Richard. He struck her with his police flashlight, and she went down, grazing the mattress with the blood. Richard puts her body in the freezer, like, wrapped up in the bedding. Keeps her in there overnight and attempts to clean the blood, you know, with the towels on the carpet. The next morning, he takes the nanny and the kids to family 
and he returns, rents a U-Haul and a wood chipper, cuts the body up with a chainsaw, and puts it through the wood chipper along with the bits of wood along the river. So he took a body to a river and chopped it up there? Yes, along with little bits of wood. So when they were sifting, how did there were chunks hear, of wood. Like, at like three in the that's morning. That's thing is how nobody hears a chainsaw, a wood chipper. Because that's a nice area. That's a it's a very pretty rich, well-to-do area. area. Yes. No noise complaints. No noise complaints. So they assume that there was mostly no blood at the scene because she was frozen. But I have to think that it may have been not the next morning, but a day or two later. Because, well, because I don't think a snow. body would be frozen solid. But also, there had to be snow. How? Well, and it was snowing. It was snowing actively during this time. Because you saw the snowplow. Yes, and so, so. and so some of the snow had actually melted over time to reveal these little bits that they were missing. Sounds like you'd think there'd be a ton of blood. That well, and that's what makes me think that it couldn't have been the very next morning that he sought her up and put her in the wood chipper because I feel like it would take more than a couple hours of overnight or whatever well I guess 24 hours because it would be the next night that he all right we're gonna go to a butcher get a pig put it in the freezer and see how long (laughs) it takes because that's what I'm saying I can't imagine that a full-grown woman would freeze in 24 hours solid I can I can you think yeah I just I feel like it would take more time we need to experiment do you have a deep freezer we need to get a no, deep freezer. Because deep freezers, I would think, are probably colder than than your like a regular, regular freezer. Free- you think? We're gonna have to we're gonna have to do some experiments. Um, because you use them for hunting and stuff, like putting a ton of meat in there. So I would think it'd be more powerful than a regular freezer. Yeah, I mean, I would think that it was. Well, and another thing that doesn't it's not exactly clear in the forensic files episode is whether it was a deep freezer that they already owned or if it was one of those things that he also purchased on the receipts i know the nanny thought it was suspicious that the deep freezer was gone because it was working fine so they must have maybe had it previously then, yeah that yeah. Would think that yeah and so what i mean he must have because i mean those things take time to get cold. Like, yeah. what's he doing with the body in the meantime? But also, what did he do with all the stuff that was in the deep freezer? Did he just throw out all the groceries? I mean, I need to he know killed more. his wife, so I don't think it's <laughs> that monstrous to think he would just waste food and throw it away. <laughs> Monster. <laughs> so he then disassembles the chainsaw and then removes the serial number and then he throws it in the river. A jury of 11 men and one woman woman, lady, find him guilty, sentenced him to 50 years in prison. Uh, He was, I believe, found guilty in January of 88. And his, so yeah, he's sentenced to 50 years in prison. It was the first murder conviction in Connecticut with no body. So it was a really big deal for them because they were like, holy shit, we can do this. He actually, (laughs) he was actually just released in 2020. Wait, what? (laughs) Yes. Uh, he uh, apparently only had to serve... Oh, no, I guess he was... He started his prison sentence in 1990 because he only served 30 years. Uh, it turns out he got a lot of good behavior, 20 years worth. And so he's out. And like last article I saw, he was living like a halfway house, but they they said that he would be completely 
free to go, I guess, in June of 2020. So he's living so large. Don't marry him. I mean, the dude's 80. But it matter. the moral of the story. Well, I mean, look at Robert Durst. He had that weird wife relationship oh <laughs> don't remind me of him with all the burping so the moral <laughs> god with all the burping moral of the story don't fuck with airline pilots like <laughs> i'm just saying and i you know my husband's grandfather was a pilot and he was an amazing man I miss him very much, even though he is not like my family. Okay, Were you not so, recording? No, no, no. Because <laughs> that would be hilarious. I wasn't crazy. Um, the special edition DVD of the 1996 film Fargo contains a statement that the film was inspired by the crash case. yes! Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Sorry. I'm done with my like. I know we're still recording. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know what I'm. I just so basically, more work. Don't marry a pilot. I always dreamed I'd be a flight attendant one day. Uh, it's not cool to stalk your coworkers. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Do not, Do show up not to their house. go to their house at <laughs> three in the morning. It's fucking weird. Oh, that's so creepy that he was in the house while the fiance found her. Well, I have to wonder if that's why she was. You should come here. If she felt something was going to happen, I don't know. Because she also took the son over to her parents. It's wild. Because, I mean, I've been sick, but I've never been so sick that I'm going to have somebody else watch my son, even though they have school the next day. That's... No. God, even when I had COVID, it yeah, was still... Yeah, I still had to get up and make sure everybody was ready in the morning. That's crazy. I wonder if she had a gut feeling. I don't know. We'll be back next week. Maybe with something lighthearted. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't thought about anything. I have no idea. Maybe we'll just do one of those nature documentaries where we just stare at some leaves and we're like, okay, so there were some leaves here. I don't know if I want to... <laughs> who would want to listen to somebody describe a nature documentary? Which is... That's why I'm just picturing, like, what would you... Like, okay, and so then the little baby monkey... I feel like that would be like fell a Fell from the branch, a but its mother episode, caught it. <laughs> a 420 episode where we do, like, a watch along where we just record our reactions. That would be hilarious. And also, we're all high. As you had some say for 420, just. <laughs> oh. Oh, look at the baby. And oh, that's it. <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh. That would be hilarious, though. Anyway, thank you for, li- <laughs> thank thank you for, you for listening. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Maybe. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Talk to Me. The opening music is by Twisterium. For comments or suggestions, we can be reached by email at doctomepod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at doctomepod and find a link to our Facebook group in the show notes. Thank you.